Show me the crypto. <laughs> Show me the crypto. <laughs> Show me the crypto. In a world on the brink of disruption, two men will bring you clarity by interviewing some of the most intelligent and influential names in the blockchain world. Welcome to Show Me the Crypto with your hosts, Wade Patterson and Ulf Lonegren. Well, hi there and welcome to Show Me the Crypto. My name is Ulf Lonegren. I'm Wade Patterson. And we're a couple of friends from Canada who love learning about cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, and we're happy you're along for the ride. Whether you're a crypto virgin or you know your way around the block, we hope our interviews with some of the most intelligent and influential people in the blockchain space help deliver you with value. On this special episode, we're joined by my Show Me the Crypto co-host, Wade Patterson. With a background in journalism, Wade discovered the crypto space in 2016 when a coworker introduced him to the blockchain-based social platform Steemit. Wade began a 20-question series exclusively on Steemit, where he interviewed influential names such as Roger Ver and Neil Strauss. In late 2020, Wade pitched me on the idea of launching our own crypto podcast, and we launched the first episode of Show Me the Crypto by December of that year. Wade, welcome to Show Me the Crypto. Crush that intro, buddy. Well done. Oh, well yeah. done. Good to be here. Super weird being on the other side of the questions. Super but... weird uh, reading the intro <laughs> for the first time. Excited for it, though. <laughs> Uh, before we jump into your introduction to blockchain tech, what were you doing prior to that? So my background is journalism. I studied journalism, got a degree in journalism, and then I was working at a newspaper for a few years, got a job in real estate with Remax, Remax Canada, and was working in the social media and communications department there for about four years before crypto and blockchain was ever on my radar. So really into the content side of things. I've always loved the concept of interviewing people. I've always loved the idea of producing content. So that was kind of my focus. Yeah, I remember uh, like us chatting just as friends at the time and you would tell me about, you know, Steam It, which for me made sense in regards to what you were doing as a journalist. It was a place for you to go do what you already knew how to do, which was write stories and, and do interviews. And I remember thinking, okay, so this is what blockchain technology is all about, because that's not what I had originally kind of uh, heard when I've heard of Bitcoin and that sort of thing. So can you tell us a little bit more about Steemit and give me the, the breakdown of sort of your full story there and your experience and all that? Yeah, for sure. So Steemit... What, which, by the way, is just a terrible name for anything. Like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's the worst name. But so I had a coworker when I was working at Remax named Chris, and he introduced me to this platform. He was really into Bitcoin. He had been into Bitcoin since like 2013, the early days. And he would keep an eye on all of the dip different cryptocurrencies. And so he noticed this cryptocurrency called Steam that was moving into the top 10 on coin market cap. And he looked into it, he did some research, and then he came across the Steemit concept. And him and I worked closely together. He was in our tech department. And he knew that I loved writing and like with the journalism background, doing that type of thing. And so he told me about this website where you could earn cryptocurrency. And at this point, I had heard nothing. Like it was blockchain, Bitcoin, everything was not on my radar at all. I remember when I was working at the newspaper in Kelowna, there was once where I read a story about, I think it was one of the first Bitcoin ATM machines being put up in Vancouver. And it wasn't like, I didn't even stop to think anything beyond that. It was like, I just read the headline and I was like, oh, I don't know what that is. And that was like my only reference point of it. But he was really into it. And I think like anyone who gets into the space early on, they're, they ask questions trying to figure out, wrap their heads around like, well, how does this digital currency have value? Trying to understand it. So I was very much in that place. So he was telling me about this website and the concept of Steemit is kind of like a mix, a hybrid between Medium and Reddit. Medium in the sense that it was a platform for you to post blog content. So you could create an account, post blog content. But the Reddit element was that other users had the ability to go and upvote other people's content. And so they had a trending page and all of these things. But where the cryptocurrency element came in was that blog posts that were doing the most successful 
and hit the trending page were actually rewarded with a cryptocurrency called Steam. And again, I had no idea how all of this worked, but the real simple terms of how he pitched it to me is, why don't you post blog content because you can make money by doing that? And so I tried and it was interesting because it was a time in my journalism career or communications career where I was doing some writing on the side as well. And I was hoping to maybe enter some short story contests and things like that. So I had some pieces that I was sitting on. So this one piece that I had spent so much time and effort on, I was like, okay, this is going to be my first one that I post. It's going to do so well. I posted it to the blog and nothing. Like it made absolutely <laughs> zero, like 0, 0.00. And then I posted another one that I was sitting on nothing. And I was just like really cocky coming into it. I'm like, oh, these other writers are terrible. They're going to read my stuff, be blown away. Like, no, nobody knew who I was. I posted probably 10 things. Nothing did well. Then I posted a haiku and it made one cent, but that was like the first time I earned any Crack money. I was like, yes, I'm like, I'm in the money. <laughs> and then I started, I stopped posting so much because I think that this is just an essential problem we have in social media in general is that people are always, they go onto a platform and they talk, they post, they post, they post, and they expect that everyone is going to be listening. But a lot of people go in with that attitude. So I took a step back and I really just kind of analyzed the platform. Who is successful? Who are the most popular bloggers? Who is hitting the trending page regularly? Why were they hitting the trending page? I just started to look at those different things. And one of the most successful bloggers on Steemit was a girl named Heidi, and she had a travel blog. So she would post about different places she'd been with a lot of photos and that type of thing. And the content was pretty good. It didn't help or it didn't hurt that she was like an attractive girl as well, probably, and, and posting these photos and that type of thing. But her content was good, and she kind of hit that jackpot jackpot for whatever reason, of being a popular blogger on Steemit. And so her posts were regularly earning, they would vary, but definitely probably between $400 and $2,000 a post. Wow. Yeah, and because it would show the equivalent in US dollars. It would show how much Steemit earned and then how much that was worth based on the daily average it was trading at. So... I had an idea and what I did is at the bottom of all of Heidi's posts, she had all of her social media accounts, like her Twitter, her Instagram, her Snapchat. So I added her on Snapchat and I'm not a big Snapchat user, but I added her on Snapchat and I sent her a video and I said, Heidi, I just joined Steemit. I love your, your content that you're putting out there. It's really well done. I have this idea that I'd like to start doing interviews with some of the most popular bloggers on Steemit. I'd love to interview you. I'm thinking it's going to be kind of a 20 questions format style approach. And I didn't really expect to hear back from her. But then I saw that night she did. She like responded with a video message. She's like, wait, I love the concept. Let's do it. Email me the questions. And that night I emailed her 20 questions. By the morning, she had her responses in. And at that moment, it was just this weird thing of like, I know this is going to work. And sure enough, that morning I posted the article and with my previous highest earning post being the one cent haiku, this one earned $500 US. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, like what just happened? This is crazy. And from there, I started a 20 questions interview series where initially I would interview other Steemit users who were successful on the platform. And I had some clout because I had interviewed Heidi and everyone knew who Heidi was. And so I was able to interview other. And the more people I kind of added to that resume of being part of the series, the willingness other people had to also be part of my series. Not all of them earned $500, like not even close. A lot of those earned like some earned $20, some earned 40. It just like, it completely varied. But what I learned from that, that process was just, I started to understand a little bit more about the fundamentals of, of what is cryptocurrency. And an important step for me was when I earned that much from the Heidi interview, I learned about the process of using <laughs> Poloniex at the time in exchange, trading that into Bitcoin, then using the incredibly sketchy Quadriga to convert that into Canadian dollars. And then that amount landed in my bank account and is an important process. People like to shit on the idea of 
cashing out any crypto, especially when you're new to the space. It's like, oh, you got to hodl, like don't be weak, all like lettuce hands, whatever. People talk about all these things. And it's like, I think it's really important early to go through the process if you do make some gains of like, realizing that in your fiat currency because it takes a while to get to the point of understanding why you actually want to like hold certain cryptocurrencies long term but until you have that initial moment of like okay this is you know this has gone up in value this is an interesting investment all of those sorts of things so unfortunately i wish back then because the price of bitcoin was like I think seven or eight hundred dollars when I first got involved. Ethereum was twenty dollars. I wish I had converted and held long term for those, but a lot of that I was converting out to Canadian dollars. But I did still keep some of that invested in a variety of cryptocurrencies because my friend Chris, that was one of his pieces of advice, was you know diversify a bit, check out these different protocols, invest a little bit. It's better to be invested in ten different things than just have everything in one basket type thing. So. That's kind of the full story of my immersion and how I kind of came to discover the space. I love it. It's such a it's such an interesting entry point to crypto, I think, compared to a lot of people where their entry is literally just like buy some crypto and hope it makes you money kind of thing. I hope it goes up in value. Yours was like more of one of these actual sort of use cases for blockchain technology that was outside of just you know come buy some coins and hope they go up so uh, it's always interesting to hear the story in full uh, i haven't heard the full detailed version in a while but uh tell us what happened after that so you know that was 2016 and into 2017 2017 um quick sort of uh history that was another bull market Crypto was um, blowing up by the end of 2017. I think Bitcoin peaked out around 20,000 and it was like an epic run to 20,000. Um, and then following that, you know, we went into uh, a long bear market into the crypto winter. But for you, um, you know, how did things play out during that time period? So from 2016 to early 2018, I was pretty hyper-focused on that interview series, the 20 questions interview series. I think I did about 50 of them in total. And it was, although it varied how much I was earning on the different posts, it was still enough that it was always worth my while. Like even if it was like a $20 post, I knew that even just the connection I had made from doing this interview was worthwhile. And it wasn't all about like the, the dollar value that I was earning. So I was really embedded in the space during that time from 2016 to 2018, I guess it was late 2016. I attended the first, my first ever crypto event, which was steam fest, the first annual steam fest. And I remember thinking to myself when I attended that I am <laughs> the least intelligent person in this room by far, or at least it felt like that to me. And what people were talking about, of course, this was people who had been involved in the with Bitcoin since maybe 2011, 2012. And they were showing me all these different things, people who knew a lot about Ethereum, and it was would have been the very early days of Ethereum. And I just remember thinking, like, I need to pay more attention to this space because this is clearly this is the future. And one thing I just want to touch on that you said about, you know, the, the way I got into blockchain, I think an important thing for me was that by not putting in my own money, it was kind of all being earned through these posts that, that took away because a lot of people have this idea of like pyramid scheme or those types of thoughts when it comes to crypto. But when you're able to earn something in the space and then that is your value and it's not like about you putting your savings into it, I think that that's a very risk-free approach. I never was too concerned, even if everything went to zero. It's yeah, like all you risked was your time and energy. Exactly, a hundred percent. And so I was never too concerned about that. So fast forward to early 2018, I every crypto market crashed it was i i like many people watched my portfolio on blockfolio at the time go from a certain level that was beyond any money i'd ever had before to like 
10% of that or 8% of that, it dropped significantly. And I was like, oh, why didn't, why didn't I cash out some so that I can reinvest at these low prices, but you can never time these things. And then what happened was with the Steemit posts, a lot less attention, just like now we're experiencing in the bear market, there's a lot less attention and focus on the space. And so at that time, these posts became like, instead of making $20 or $100 a post, I was making $1 or 50 cents and that kind of thing. So it actually got to a point where I kind of felt like it wasn't worth the time and effort to continue with this series. I still do an interview every now and then just to kind of stay somewhat involved with the site in the community. But that's one of my regrets because I think that there was a big opportunity. I see so many people who are succeeding in the crypto space right now who didn't discover it till 2017 or 2018. But the difference for them was that they stayed very active through the bear market. I never thought that crypto would go away. I was always a believer. I just wasn't as active as I wish I had been at that time. And so I think I definitely missed out on some opportunity. Whereas now this bull market and the fact we're doing this podcast, that's a huge driver is I've, I've seen how it's worked for other people. And I want to stay tapped into the space with connections and everything along those lines. Cause I know in the future, there'll be more opportunities, more good time. So the, the truth is from 2018 until probably early to mid 2020, I kind of would keep in or kind of keep tabs on what was happening, but I wasn't that deeply involved or embedded. Right. And so, I mean, you're basically telling us some of some of your regrets, maybe some lessons learned and and in regards to what you're doing today, and maybe you wish you would have kept doing at the time. Are there any other sort of major key lessons to take away from someone who's been in the space since 2016, who's seen a full cycle um, and a half almost, you know, who, who's been there at the peaks and who's been there at the lows? Yeah, not financial advice, obviously, but I think the biggest thing is that just not going with the crowd mentality. There are so many people that like prime example is even my own friends, close friends, that type of thing, they, a lot of them came to me in early, mid, even late 2021 saying, how do I invest in this space now? Because they're seeing it everywhere. And right now, nobody who's not really yeah, that involved with crypto right is asking me those questions because they like, maybe there's just this feeling of like it crashed, it's done, it's not going to have its moment. But what you really do learn from something like running this podcast and talking to people is like the amount of work doesn't change. Like the people who are in this space are still so focused. There are things happening and things will have their moment again. I like, it's hard to say if everything will, like will NFTs have the same run up that they did in the past? Who knows? But like this space, this industry in general, it probably will. And historically it has kind of run around these four year cycles. So I feel pretty strong that in a few years, I don't know the exact timing, but in a few years, things will be back up beyond what they've been in early 2022. And so my biggest advice is just to not, is to is to get your foot in the door and then stay in the space as well. There's been great advice from some of our guests who talk about how you can do that. Going back to the concept I was talking about, about earning instead of investing your own money, Right now is a tough financial time for a lot of people. They don't have a lot of money sitting on the sidelines to be investing. You can still be part of some of these Discord groups. You can still be educating your, yourself. It's the perfect time for that. And see what, what jobs or opportunities are available. Because even if it's something, if you have a full-time job and you can do something on the side that's a few hours a week and you can be compensated in crypto, like right now you're getting a really good value. And if if you're just doing some level of investing, even if it's through your work and effort, I think that that's going to pay dividends a few years down the road or whatever time that kind of the next bull market takes off. But I would say that the next bull market, in my mind at least, is a matter of when, not if. I think that's great advice, especially just the part about like sort of having some skin in the game. Like I think a little bit of skin in the game and, and to your point about timing too, 
I mean, to get skin in the game right now when things are low, like don't try and time time it. Don't try and time the market. Could it go lower? Yeah, of course it could. But regardless, now's not a bad time when you look at where it's been. So if you don't already have some skin in the game, and this isn't financial advice, but just in regards to like how to stay involved is once you do own some crypto, you kind of are forced to to think about it, right? You don't forget about it because you've got money on the line. And I'm not saying dump a whole bunch in, but whatever you can get away with losing, if things did 100% go south, hey, that's a great way to at least know you've got a reason to pay attention and you've got a reason to kind of stay involved in what's happening. And that is maybe more just on the financial side, but let's face it, we're human beings, we're driven by, uh, you know, money. A lot of the times it's, it's, in our way of life. So, you know, it can work well. So what I'd love to do is switch to the podcast. This is what we're doing. I'm interviewing you right now. We've interviewed tons of guests, but I'd love to hear your take on how the podcast got started. Yeah. Well, I think kind of going back to this concept of, of from 2018 to 2020, not really paying attention to the space. And I think you were a little bit more involved at that time. Like you were regularly watching different YouTube channels and reading information. And so we had a conversation, I think it was right around the time of COVID or something like that, maybe just after. And crypto had this huge plunge and then it was kind of, it resurfaced pretty quickly. And I remember we had a long Zoom call and we were talking about things and you were giving me a lot of information and I felt like I was trying to catch up. And And what became obvious, I think the halvening happened in May 2020. And I remember also reading some articles back in December talking about how traditionally something like six to 18 months after the halvening is traditionally how bull markets have happened like afterward. And I had a conversation with my parents and I was telling them like, yeah, I think that late 2020, early 2021, we're going to see another bull market. And I don't know, they maybe thought I was crazy or something like that. But then the timing was like so incredibly dead on, which is crazy. And so with that, I had a certain level of conviction that this would happen. And so I think strategy-wise, I got thinking, well, how can I get involved in this space and do it before the bull market starts? Because I think there's a lot of people that are going to come rushing in once the bull market is underway. So even from a reputational, I'm never going to equivalent what people have been doing over the last two years. Those people have really cemented their reputation as, as believers and builders in the space, but there's still some level of respect. I think that we can get by jumping in, in late 2020. And so I think it was like around September, 2020, you and I went for a beer and then it was at the end of our conversation. I just pitched it to you, not thinking that you'd have any interest in wanting to actually do this. But I said, you know, like, what if we were to, to launch a podcast kind of thing? Because we're some of the only people in our friends group who are yeah. you know, more have gotten interested for sure. But at that point in time, yeah. there was not a lot of believers in crypto. And, and you were, you were in right away, which was pretty cool. Um, and then I also remember thinking early on, like, this is going to be a tough thing to make a regular occurrence and to like keep consistent with. And I really hope it can work, but we both have full-time jobs. We both have a lot going on and I don't know if it's going to. So the fact that we're now almost two years into this and have 80, I think that's like the 82nd or 83rd episode, something like that. Like I'm stoked on that. I think there's only been about nine or 10 weeks that we haven't been on a weekly basis. So my impression of it is just that it's exceeded my expectations. Some of the guests that we've had on have just been really interesting people and, and whether they're a household name or not, I've just, I've really enjoyed the process of of interviewing all these people, learning a lot. I still feel like I'm one of the least smart people in most of the conversations. That hasn't really changed, but the fact that we've, um, yeah, that we've brought it this far is something that I think is pretty great. Ulf, do you realize our audience has been either watching or listening to this episode for 20 minutes? 20 minutes? 
No, they should probably subscribe. Yeah, they should subscribe. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you comment and turn on notifications. And if you're listening to this podcast, especially if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review. We're also on Twitter, Instagram, and even TikTok. So go check out the episode description. You can find all that information below. And we have an update on the NFT, don't we? That's right. We didn't previously mention this, but this NFT for OG supporter is a one of one. There will only be one of this kind ever minted. And we have a few surprises for the person who purchases it. The link is in the episode description. And back to the episode. So we've had a ton of guests on the show, all kinds of different subject matters being covered. What are some of your favorite topics that we have discussed or that you just enjoy discussing in general? It's so interesting to me, like every guest that we have on the show, I get genuinely stoked for. And I'm not just saying that because one of my big, we we split kind of the responsibilities of putting this podcast together. One of my big steps, we both do research, but I really dive deep into like trying to come up with good questions for the interviews and, and do some background research and building the bios of our guests. And after you spend a certain amount of time researching somebody, I think that you just you're stoked to talk to them. You see how they are in interviews, you you see questions that they've been asked or questions that maybe they haven't been asked and yeah, just that whole preparation point. So, I think a lot of the interviews I've really enjoyed some of the interviews I do question like how well, like if it's a certain product, it's really interesting hearing the guest perspective, how they think it's all going to work out. I have my own questions or doubts if it's all going to work out perfectly. But I still think one thing we've done with this podcast is keeping it open. You know, show me the crypto. It's a big industry. It's not show me Ethereum. It's not show me Bitcoin. Um, and it works for us and against us, for us in the sense of we can really explore a lot of different topics and we're not tied to one thing, but against us in the sense of we might do an episode about Bitcoin, gain a lot of subscribers and interest because they love that guest. And then we'll do an episode about Ethereum and they'll be like, you guys, I thought you were Bitcoin lovers. Like, why are you talking about Ethereum? And you kind of have that maxi influence in the space as well. In terms of favorite guests or favorite topics that we've discussed, yeah, and favorite guests next to I want to hear that as yeah, well. Yeah, okay. So topics, I really became interested in NFTs, which surprised me so much. Like the way our show kind of turned and some of the people we had on, like we interviewed Amanda Cerny, who I'm like, why I would have never imagined we would interview Amanda Cerny on a cryptocurrency podcast when we launched this concept. But it just goes to show the impact of this industry and, and who it's bringing into the space. And and that was a great conversation. So I think that the concept of NFTs was really interesting because we had guests on in January, 2021 and February, 2021, who were talking about NFTs with conviction at that point. And I like, I didn't fully see it, but from having that conversation, seeing someone else who was so convinced, it forced me to do more research into the space and and kind of dip my toes in it and discover this whole concept where now I've become a pretty like I, I've gotten You're an NFT freak. And no, I, like <laughs> I've got a, a, a bit not, compared to some people, it's very small, but like I would consider a decent sized collection of NFTs and and I'm very interested in the space and I hold on to those because I have belief that they will have increased value in the future as well. And that's just something that if it wasn't for this podcast, never would have, I shouldn't say never would have been on my radar, but it would have been on my radar a lot later Mm. and missed a lot of the opportunity. Other topics, there's so many things. I think in terms of guests, we've had some big name guests on. So like having the mayor of Miami, Francis Suarez was just again, like, why is he on our little crypto podcast, which is super cool that he was willing to do it. Uh, Charles Hoskinson was like, that was such a unbelievable get because I think whether you hate Cardano or you love Cardano, like you, people would be interested to watch Charles talk about things for a couple hours. He has such a rich history in the space from his education program on Bitcoin to being one of the Ethereum founders. He's, he's, 
he is very knowledgeable of what's happening. And, and to hear him explain at that point in time what the vision for Cardano was over the next year was, again, very interesting. I think one of my favorite guests we've ever had on is Cami Russo, the author of The Infinite Machine. We've had her on twice because now The Infinite Machine, the book, is being made into a movie which basically documents Ethereum's founding and, and how it all came together. And such a great book. She is such an awesome person. She's so nice. She's very humble. She has incredible ethics. And she lived in Argentina at the time of double-digit inflation when that was just a regular thing. And seeing the Argentinian, I think, president at the time making a declaration that no longer you could convert your money to US dollars. And so like, that is the use case for Bitcoin at the time. She lived it and having her share that story was so interesting. And so I just think she's such a good person. So I love that we've had her on the show a couple of times. Cooper Turley, so interesting. He was one of the people who told us about NFTs early on and to have him with that conviction. And then now how bullish he is on music NFTs. I feel like I'm at that same point of early 2021 of like still trying to wrap my head around it, but still having confidence that it will have value because of how confident Cooper is. And he yeah. just seems to be right on these things. Yeah. So many great guests. It's been a real pleasure doing the show. Nice. And what have you learned? I mean, we, you know, we've talked to lots of guests and I like to think, uh, you know, there's the old adage of, um, you know, never be the smartest person in the room. I don't know how you feel about it, but for me with the, the guests we interview, I almost, always feel like I'm definitely not the smartest person in the room because our guests are the smartest people. And what have you learned uh, doing this podcast and interviewing all these guests? Well, I feel the same as you. And I think it's important to have that level of awareness because if we're coming across and we're telling our audience that we're absolute experts in the space and everything like that, like I think audience members can kind of see through the bullshit sometimes. And I think it's maybe a positive rather than a negative that we maybe don't have full knowledge because one of the trajectories when we launched the show is that we wanted it to be content to help out those who are new to the crypto space. And it's so easy to forget being deep in Twitter and researching different things, Reddit, that when you're deep in the space, there's so much jargon in this industry. There are so many things that people talk about nonchalantly that most people, and I really do believe like 95% of people on the street would have no idea what you're talking about. Like even if you talked about like, oh yeah, did you hear Ethereum switch to proof of stake? I really believe 90% of the people on the street would like know, like they, they would know what Ethereum is. By now they've heard of that. But could they name five cryptocurrencies? Could they explain what an NFT is? Like there, and so it's important to remember that the, major, the mass hasn't arrived yet. It feels like that sometimes because of the people we follow on Twitter and everything along those lines, but most people aren't there yet. So the fact that we do feel a little stupid in these interviews and asking questions, I think is a good thing because hopefully there's audience members out there that are right along with us and like, oh, thank God, these guys are asking those questions because that's the same question I had. In terms of what I've learned, there's just been so much. I mean, a great example is coming into the Ethereum merge, having Anthony Sassano on the podcast to explain the whole history of like why it's moving to proof of stake, what the merge actually means, what the history of, what, of it was getting to that point, what the future of Ethereum is going to be, how they're going to scale, all of those sorts of things. I still, I would struggle to, if somebody asked me to explain the merge to them, I would struggle to do it even close to how well Anthony did it. But after that episode, I felt like I could actually give them a somewhat decent answer that they could understand. And I think that's a big thing for me. I really struggled before launching this podcast to be able to even explain confidently what is Bitcoin, what is blockchain technology. And there's a lot of people who do that a lot better than I can. But through this show with different concepts that people are working on, different projects, Every episode, I learn a little bit more that 
in my conversations with friends and family, now I have that ability to just actually explain to them what these things are at a very base level. So I think that's one of the biggest things. And then, yeah, there's just been so many different pieces. Again, like going back to the NFT side, I knew no idea, had no idea what those were a year and a half ago, and now I have a pretty good idea and, and that sort of thing. Constant learning yeah. every time we get a guest on. There's always a few cherries uh, to take away for sure. Mm-hmm. How about, um, so early on in the conversation, I was asking about sort of your history in the space and we were talking about, you know, the fact that you've seen multiple bull runs. You've been there through crypto winter before. We're in a second crypto winter now for your sort of timeline in the space. But if we just wanted to, to pick out this last bull run, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this last bull run? What was different from the bull run before? And, and and where do you see us going from here? I think there were things that were different. Again, going back to the NFTs, that was something that definitely wasn't on my bingo card or that I thought could be a possibility going into this one, even though they existed. Like NFTs have existed since 2017, earlier than that, in fact. And People, again, one of the advantages of staying in the space 2018 to 2020, a lot of people, they knew what an NFT was. I think there was a different name for it at that point. I think people just, they were literally just referred to crypto kitties. It was just like, that was like the only thing people knew about. <laughs> yeah, crypto kitties, crypto punks. There was a few of those early ones that people were aware of, but I even people who had conviction of those at the time, I don't think could have ever envisioned what would happen with with NFT. So leading into this bull run, summer of 2020 was DeFi summer. So that really that really took over and that was kind of like a, a pre-bull run taste of what to, was to come. NFTs just had this incredible run. I think they were the story of this last bull run, but also a lot of similarities to at least the, the previous bull run before that in the sense of you get into this heightened emotion and myself, even even knowing and living through the previous one, it's so hard to tell like when things are getting to a point of being overhyped. Like my initial thought was even in the summer of 2021, things are probably a little bit too hyped right now. And then we had this whole late 2021, early 22, where it rose even more. And just knowing when kind of the top is, everything like that, People coming into the space when it's getting dangerously high because they're hearing about it everywhere. Like you think about the Super Bowl this year. So that would have been really toward the end of the bull run. I think it's February 2022. And so many of the ads, I'd say 30% of the ads that were commercials and stuff were crypto companies. And I mean, that's kind of a sign that probably we're near the top, but there's so much attention. And that unfortunately is when so many people jump into the space because they're hearing about it all the time. FOMO kicks in, they don't want to miss out. And then now being in the bear market, that's the familiarity as well with the previous one of just how few people are willing to talk about it. I think that there is an increase, like more people have stuck around this time because as time goes on, more people kind of learn their lessons from previous bull and and bear markets. But there's still so many people who aren't like, it's almost taboo sometimes to bring up mm-hmm. blockchain tech. And I think that over time, this will, it will become increasingly uh, accepted and that type of thing. But I think that those are the differences and similarities differences being NFTs having such a run. And then similarities being, we still have people hyping in at the at the time when everyone's doing it and then non-believers at a time like now. So again, I want to always emphasize that it's never financial advice, but just rather opportunity of paying attention to the space. This is a great time when other people aren't doing it or fewer people are doing it. It is the best time to get in, get your feet wet, learn more, not even investing, just like learn more about why all of this matters. And I feel like the two kind of go hand in hand. When you have belief in something and you know about it, then it becomes easier to to have the willingness to invest your money in it as well. Yeah. Do you think, because I agree, like when we're in a bear market, it's like people just don't, it's, it, you don't hear about it so much unless you're really, you know, like in the industry, then like us, we still get to talk to at least guests. And so we still have this like sort of ongoing conversation around crypto and the, just the space itself. 
but if you if you're just a crypto investor and and maybe you came in do you think it's partly it's like a feeling of guilt or shame maybe that like now all my investments are down what did i do i don't want to talk about this with people because i made bad choices do you think that's part of it or what is the reason that or is it just that it's not exciting anymore that people aren't making money like what's the reason that people go quiet during the the you know these downtimes and as far as price is concerned? I think there's a mix of those things. I think that part of it is people aren't making money fast. Like it's, it's funny because even someone like myself who really believes in the space and believes things will take off again, I talk to somebody and I'm like, yeah, I think now's a great time. And they're like, well, when, when do you think things will take off? And I'm like, well, I don't know. Nobody knows, but like, it could be a couple of years. And just telling them that it's like, oh, and it's well, like I guess people it's not want that right now. <laughs> yeah, they don't want that. They're like, well, let me know right before it's about to. Well, I'm like, well, I won't know when that yeah. is or when that's going to happen. But we do live in just this this world of instant gratification, and I think that that's hard for people. Like they're like, and maybe in their minds they're like, well, I could invest somewhere else and do better in two years. But it's like, no, like if the beauty about having a couple of years, if that's right. I mean, this is all just kind of guessing in my mind, but if that's right, that a couple of years from now, things really take off. Like if you do take advantage of the opportunity, it's not some rush. It's not like you have to pour all this money into the space right now, which can always be risky. It's like you can be dollar cost averaging yeah. on a monthly basis, whatever you're comfortable with. So it really doesn't feel like the significant loss or that it's super risky and you have that beauty of time. And then if it dips more, you don't, you know, bang your head against the wall and say, oh, I wish I could have invested. No, like, great. You're prepared for this. This is why you didn't put all your money in when Ethereum was 1700 because now it's 1100 and you can get better value or vice versa. It goes up to 1900 and you think, well, it might just keep going up. So let me get a little bit more in at this price. And, and just by doing that dollar cost averaging, it's such a wise, I mean, in any investment, it's, it's a good idea. And so it's a real opportunity, but I think the reason people aren't attracted to that is because they want that quick. And that's one of the beauties sometimes about being in a bull run. Even if you get in mid bull run, you can still make money very fast. Oh, yeah. And people hear those stories about like how much somebody made over a very short span of time and they're drawn to that and they want that for themselves as well. I think for the people who did lose money during the like all of us who had a certain amount and then because even if we did dollar cost average out over this last bull run a bit i mean everyone probably listening to this is kicking themselves at some point that they could have made some sort of move which would have set them up better for this time right now like that's just inevitable because it's impossible to time everything but for those people yeah i think it's i think it's a mix of maybe they they don't want to go on and on about it because people are quick to use judgments of like pointing what far, how far things are down in the last little bit. Maybe they don't want to get in those arguments. Or in my experience as well, a lot of people are just, they're quiet. They're, they're humbly building. If somebody asks them about it, they are happy to share that information. But just by their nature, they're not people who like broadcast out about it or anything like that. I think another piece too is like you think of some of these eccentric YouTube channels that are always like hyping things up. I think they pull back a lot in a time like this because they can't be like in a bull run, they can be really crazy about like invest in this. It's going to because there's a high likelihood it will. I think all of them realize right now, no, we're probably like going to go sideways for the next while. So if they are constantly saying like crazy action is going to happen, they're going to lose reputation or hurt their reputation really quickly. So let's jump back to the podcast. Where do you want the podcast to go? What does the future look like if everything played out as according to Wade's plan and when it comes to the podcast? I want it to keep going. I constantly am looking to get big name, not just big name, like interesting people on the show. Um, of course, people who have big followings are often interesting people and there's those like 
that wish list of guests that we have. We do something every Friday called Hail Mary Friday, where we yeah, put we out a, a big request to a big name. You know, maybe it's Ashton Kutcher, maybe it's Jack Dorsey. And we try to get these people on our podcast. I think we've done like 60 of these attempts and only one guest has come from it, but that's all right. You got one and that's what a Hail Mary should be. Hail Marys aren't 50% percentages on conversion. They're usually one or 2% conversion rate. So we're kind of shaping up nicely that way. But I think over time, the consistency is important to me. I hate it when we miss a week and I just love that we've only missed a handful of weeks to this point that we've done so many weekly episodes. Um, one thing I always strive toward is not having, you know, we really look at guests before we bring them on. While we are being show me the crypto open to all sorts of angles and, and sides from the industry, I also think that we really hold it close to us that we don't want to hurt our audience. And so, you know, we do due diligence. We've had the experience before where we have a guest set up for an interview on a certain date and we've actually pulled the shoot for one reason or another, maybe we've researched their project and we just really feel like it might be misleading toward our audience or that we're, we're uncomfortable about it. Um, or we haven't had enough time to do enough research to ask the really tough questions that that type of interview deserves. So I think keeping the integrity of the podcast, the consistency of the podcast, and then just getting some sick guests on, like I just, I'm stoked to get bigger and bigger names on the show. And I think we will eventually it's just a matter of that and then it would be nice as well this has been a labor of love for us so um from a sponsorship side that's something that we we didn't rush into at all initially but now we're starting to think okay this could be the right time for us we want to get great content under our belt now we've got 80 episodes the the time is right probably to bring the right sponsor or sponsors onto the show because we have hard costs that are coming out of our pocket like editing and different things like that and to be sustainable we've got to if we want to keep taking things to the next level we've got to keep investing in the show so those would be my biggest goals those four things i love it so what advice would you have for people who are new to the space this is a question I feel like you're often asking our guests mm -hmm. and I'd love to hear your take. Yeah. So my biggest advice would be so many of the things we've talked about. I'll go back to what I said earlier in the conversation of just get involved somehow, like get involved in the space. There's so many different, and even if that's just your own education and dedicating X amount of time, you know, whether it's our podcast that you're consuming, whether it's something, there's so many great ones like, like Bankless, like Up Only, which is incredibly entertaining. There's so much good crypto content out there. And just get involved with those, like educating yourself. If you're on Twitter, start to follow some of these Twitter accounts. They call it Crypto Twitter, which is basically accounts that talk about cryptocurrency, blockchain tech. Just follow different accounts. We talk about it on at the end of every episode, we ask our guests who the favorite person they follow is, you know, even if you don't watch our full episode, just skip to the end and, and see who these big names in the space are actually following because they're, they're giving you gold right there on some of the people who are just the movers and shakers of this industry. So really start to follow some of those people. If, if you're a discord person, get involved in some of the discords and then try and see if there's like, how can you contribute to the space? What is your skill set? For us, we are not technical people. We, you know, we're not miners, we're not uh, developers, but we enjoy talking to people and telling their stories. And so we've kind of carved out our niche on how we're contributing to the space and we're getting benefit from that in the, in what we learn through these conversations as well. And I really think everybody, you know, whether you're an artist, whether you're uh, a technical person, whether like whatever your marketing person, like anything, maybe you throw kick-ass events, then start and get involved with some of these projects who maybe need an event planner or something like that. Even if it's voluntary at first, there's so many great connections you can make. And I just think that this is such an amazing time. Like one, it's the bear market. Two, it's the early days of blockchain web three. If you can start to build a career, if you have a desire to build a career for yourself in this industry, now is the time to do it. 
All right, Wade, this has been an amazing time interviewing you. I got to do the intro. That was <laughs> awesome. And I got to interview my co-host and friend. That was also something I haven't had the pleasure of doing yet on this show. So it's been a good time. But there are three questions I still need to ask you. The final three questions I ask every guest. So, Wade, are you ready? Oh, I feel like I've had the advantage that no other guest has and knowing what these questions are well, unless you've mixed them up on me. But yeah, <laughs> no, I'm we got, pretty, we got sure the I'm same prepared. three. Yeah. All right, All right. Who's your favorite person to follow in the crypto space? I had to look up because I don't want to get the name wrong. On Twitter, the handle is Greg16676935420. Hilarious parody account constantly. Like it, it's rare that accounts make you laugh on like a daily basis. His posts are so funny. A lot of people in the crypto space know him. Go give it a follow. He constantly ratios other accounts, meaning that his comment under an original tweet will get more likes than the original tweet. It's just so clever. Great. Greg's the guy. <laughs> uh, you'll know him by his avatar if you didn't know the yeah. full like uh, the the full Greg with all the numbers behind it, yeah. you'll know the avatar for sure. 100%. All right, second question. What will the price of Bitcoin be 10 years from now? 943282 All right, that one's down on the ledger. We're going to check that one Play out. Play it back in 10 years. <laughs> It'll be amazing. Why, why, why so specific and why under a million? Why not over a million? Because everyone's thinking it will be over a million and almost always uh, what the the price gets to is below expectation slightly. That's why, although <laughs> that's almost timed for like the peak of a bull market, but I just think at this point in time, that's what it will be. In terms of specific, because if I'm somehow right and we play this back 10 years later, like, yeah, I think our show will really <laughs> blow up in popularity at that yeah, time. There yeah. you go. All right. Third question. What is the most underrated coin or project in all of the crypto space? It's an NFT project. I've talked to you about it in the past. It's called Crypto Crystals. I definitely think it is the most underrated NFT project that I've come across. The reason for that is it's got historical significance on its side. So, so many NFTs that are out there are 2021 NFTs. There are few projects, like I think less than 50, that are 2019 or earlier. This one is from 2018. It's a... I can't remember the full story. It's a collection of 10,000. They're different crystals and they they have different rarity levels. Each one has a unique name, like a first name and a last name. And they have different weights, which could mean some level of rarity. But the floor price on these right now is like 0.04 or 0.03 ETH, which is very affordable especially for something that historical. I just think most people have no clue what it is. And when more people pay attention to it, I think that there's the real potential for those to pop off. So, And full disclosure, I own several of them, like probably 15 or 20 or so. So I'm a big believer in crypto crystals. You're stacking those big time. (laughs) Stacking those crystals. (laughs) Awesome. Well, hey, it's been an absolute pleasure interviewing you. Uh, It's been super fun to just do an interview with my co-host. And uh, I hope everyone else got some enjoyment out of doing something a little different here today. So thank you for joining me on Show Me the Crypto, Wade. Yeah, thanks, buddy. You did a great job. And thanks to anyone who's still stuck around. I doubt many people are still at this point in the episode, but we appreciate you watching. Till next time. Power to you. Thank you for listening to Show Me the Crypto. Please make sure to subscribe as well as rate and review this podcast.